Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first, and their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to Future Tech Podcast. I'm your host today, Juliet Lamar, and we have with us the founder and CEO of Third Key Solutions. Hello, Pamela Morgan. How are you? I am fantastic. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm really excited to hear more about your company, Third Key Solutions. So why don't you bring our listeners up to date on who you guys are and what you're doing? Sure, I'd love to. Uh, Third Key Solutions is a boutique key consulting and management company. And it might be interesting for you and the listeners to hear how that came about. I am a lawyer by trade. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm a lawyer by trade. And I've done a lot of different things in my career. I get bored easily. And so Mm -hmm. I I really like challenges. I find that a lot of people that are interested in technology kind of feel the same way about those sorts of things. So um, I was, uh, I'm a lawyer, but at the time I found out about Bitcoin, I was working as uh, an educator. I was teaching entrepreneurship professors how to teach an entrepreneurial mindset. So that's kind of meta. But um, <laughs> I, I, I was at a conference. I was speaking at the Disrupt Startup Scale-Up Conference in 2013 in Athens, Greece. And a speaker was there speaking about Bitcoin. And that person is Andreas M. Antonopoulos. I learned about Bitcoin from that conference, and I remember sitting in the audience thinking, if half of what this guy says is true, 
this technology has the potential to change the world. And I got really, really excited about that. And within a few months, I quit my full-time job and decided that I was going to make a career for myself in Bitcoin and open blockchains. And I've been working full-time in the industry ever since. Wow. So a big, you believe in it in a big way, we could say. <laughs> I, I do. I do. Um, you know, even even before I, I found Bitcoin, I I really went to law school to learn um, information. I never really wanted to be a lawyer per se, but I'm very interested in justice. I'm very interested in uh, kind of leveling the playing field. And, and I see that, uh, I see technology as a way to do that. So my undergraduate degree is in business administration and computer programming. And then I went to law school. So I have this background and interest in technology, but I wasn't really sure how to kind of work in both industries until I discovered Bitcoin. And at that point, there weren't very many lawyers that were working, that were open and interested in working with cryptocurrencies. Um, and there weren't a lot of lawyers who were accepting cryptocurrencies. So I've been working hands-on with Bitcoin, accepting it for services since 2014. Um, and I started helping uh, startups in the industry. At that time, um, there were people who were getting their, uh, their Bitcoin stolen because they weren't holding it in multi-signature wallets. And I don't know um, how much you, know, you or, or your listeners know about multi-sig. Have you had people on before talking about multi-signature? You know, we have, but we might as well just touch base on it. Okay, okay, great. So multi-signature is a feature in Bitcoin. It's a, it's a protocol feature that allows you to designate certain constraints on moving funds. Uh, it's really as simple as that. Often people think of it like a cosigner uh, on a bank account. The difference is that uh, with a, a, t a traditional banking, uh, with a traditional bank account, I can go in and kind of socially engineer the teller perhaps to accept mm -hmm. uh, a, a check that maybe doesn't have the requisite signatures if I give them a nice sob story and I kind of work the system. Um, one of the beauties of using technology is that you there's no one to finesse. Right. So yeah. um, so with multi-signature, you can create conditions, uh, spending conditions that actually require you to have more than one signature. And that's effectively what multi-signature is. So I was very, very interested in that. And I started working with clients, helping them create multi-signature addresses in order to hold company funds. And in supplementing those multi-signature addresses, uh, I was working with them to create processes inside their company, right? So for example, if you have three principals in the company, you have a CEO, a CTO, and a CFO, for example, what happens if your CTO leaves? What do you do? Is that a key compromise event? You know, do you move the funds immediately? How, how, does all, how do all of these things work? Helping them create um, those sorts of processes and policies in addition to funding addresses in that way. Um, and that grew into me needing a lot of help a lot fast. I needed to understand, <laughs> you know, multi-sig. And, and at that point, you know, there weren't pretty interfaces that you could use on your phone. At that point, it was pretty gritty. There wasn't a lot of, of UX um, happening at all, or at least very little. So um, I asked around the industry who could help me, and there were a lot of people that offered to help me, but I ultimately ended up working with Andreas, and that's how Third Key was born. Third Key was born out of needing assist, technical assistance 
um, helping people actually develop plans and processes to keep their Bitcoin safe. And that really is the largest hurdle for bringing cryptocurrencies mainstream is that people are still afraid because they still don't quite understand how their money's secure. Like they don't really understand how to be their own bank. And it's sad because this has such good potential, but you have yes. to get over that trust hurdle. I totally agree. I also think that we're we're taught not to trust ourselves. I think we're also, oh, yes. you know, it's it's we get a comfort, this false sense of comfort in trusting someone else who knows more. Um, and you know, we trust, for example, quote unquote FDIC insurance, right? Um, oh, if you put your money in the bank, you know, you get the FDIC insurance. Well, I think that history bears out that you know, in in many countries where they've had deposit insurance. Uh, when the economy faces a, a serious challenge, that insurance seems to evaporate, right? <laughs> so that's why I call it kind of a, a false sense of security. But um, it, it is a big hurdle to learn how to manage your own money and how to manage keys. But I think that this is, I think key management is is the key to individual empowerment. If we can figure out how to do key management on an individualized basis without trusting a third party, then we can do all sorts of cool things, not just with your own money, but also with your own data, with your own healthcare records, mm -hmm. with all of these other things. Um, but until we figure out how to securely store our own keys and until we can do it at scale where, you know, my mom can handle doing it, um, we're going to constantly have to rely on these third parties. And I'm not a big believer in, in relying on third parties, particularly for these sorts of things. Well, you're just asking for it, something bad to happen <laughs> because they're not yeah, going to care about your, your assets as much as you are. Well, yeah, not only that, but, you know, at that point, your data to them, right? And they sell it mm -hmm. and they do whatever they want to do with it. And you literally have no control over it. And I, I'd like to see that part of it change. Yeah, that's one of the bigger hurdles when I'm, you know, when I'm dabbling in crypto and whatnot is, well, what if I lose my phone and then I have all these words and I have these, you know, key things. And I'm like, this is so hard, but it's yeah. worth it. So let's let's keep trying to figure it out, because the more you do, you do a thing, the easier it becomes, the more, uh, you know, you understand it and familiar you are with it. Absolutely. Well, so, you know, we we worked at Third Key Solutions helping people with these exact issues. Right. So they would come to us and they would say, listen, um, you know, I have X amount of, of cryptocurrency or crypto assets, and usually the magic number is about 40%. So when 40% okay. of your net worth is in crypto <laughs> assets and cryptocurrencies, um, you start, generally people start to freak out. They start to question, yeah. okay, you know, in the past, like if it's just a little bit of money here and there, ah, you know, it's play money, maybe it's not a big deal to you. But when it becomes right around the 40% mark, and I have no idea why, but that seems to be the magic <laughs> number, um, people seek me out and they say, listen, you know, I need to take this more seriously. I want my family to be able to inherit my crypto assets and my cryptocurrencies. And I want to make sure that I'm holding them more securely because now this is real money to me. And so we were helping people. We've been helping people with that for the last three years. Out of that grew um, a book that I just published. I don't know if you know about it or not, but I just published it like two weeks ago, literally. It's called Crypto Asset Inheritance Planning, A Simple Guide for Owners. And it is that exact process of walking through what we would do with you as a client and saying, okay, these are the questions we need to ask. These are the things that you can do to make yourself more secure. 
Um, and here's what you need to do to try to make sure that your heirs will be able to inherit your crypto assets, but not before, right? And this yeah. is the hard <laughs> balance. This is the difficulty because, you know, we want to we want to have our family be able to inherit it, but we all know you can't just give your private keys to, you know, your cousin um, because that yeah. introduces a significant security risk. And so how do you balance the 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 transferability with the security. How do you have, you know, a, a secure system that's also usable, that's resilient and efficient? And so we talk about that. I talk about that in the book and kind of walk people through what it would be like to be a client of Third Key Solutions. And, you know, I wrote the book simply because I don't scale. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we can't help every single person who, who needs our help. And I'm not really aware of anyone else in the industry who is working on these issues of, of inheritance and crypto assets and things like that. Well, and, just in my little world, you're the first. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the other day I was on Twitter and someone sent a message. I couldn't tell how to take this, but they sent this message and they said, um, is anyone else working on this stuff? Because every time it comes up, your name is there. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, the thing is, is I, I'm sure that there are other people working on these things, but I'm one of the few lawyers who, I, you know, I believe in Creative Commons. Um, I, I give a lot of my work away for free. Uh, we have a philosophy at Third Key Solutions and, you know, my company Empowered Law that, you know, to the extent that we can, that we can, we try to make um, our work available for people because I don't think that, you know, a financial barrier should be a barrier to understanding how to hold your cryptocurrencies securely. So I've published a lot of articles about inheritance planning and uh, letter to loved ones. And I publish a lot of things on our blog and on Medium uh, free resources. And I, I tour the world, talk to people about these issues. Uh, the book is just kind of an extension of that. And it would be, you know, what, what it would be like if you actually hired us. And it really makes it more mainstream, right? Because when people are thinking of cryptocurrency right now, people who are not involved in the industry, they think, oh, it's a black market thing. Or they think, oh, it's a, it's a volatile investment that has no backing. Or they, yeah. think, you know, they think all these things. But when you say, oh, you know, we're helping people plan their inheritance, it suddenly becomes, oh. It's like real money. You're like, yes, yes. absolutely. <laughs> yes, yes, that's exactly it. You know, and I feel like there are so many people in our industry, like we're all those early adopters, right? We're all taking these risks. And we've all faced pushback from friends and family who are like, what are you doing? Why are you doing those things, right? Um, and questions mm -hmm. from colleagues. You know, I remember when I first uh, when I first started working in this industry, I posted on LinkedIn, and I can't tell you how many people reached out to me, and they were like, "Um, you're doing that," and I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah, I am," and it's amazing. You know, it's 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 fantastic. The technology has so much potential, and all of these things, all of these things, and they had a difficult time getting over that mental hurdle, like you just talked about, right? This idea that you know, oh, it's only for bad people and only for bad things, and you know, I, I think that. Slowly but surely, as people meet, you know, quote unquote, normal, whatever that is, people um, who aren't, you know, these nefarious characters, they start to realize that that's, you know, it's, it's, it's a falsehood. Um, you know, if you go to a local Bitcoin or open blockchain meetup, it's, it's not filled with drug dealers and, you know, all, all of the <laughs> other bad folks. You know, it's, 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 it's people who 
see the potential of the technology and want to learn more. It's people who are trying to educate themselves and who are trying to build communities um, that are that are focused on, you know, changing their communities at a local level and then hopefully, ultimately, you know, changing these big power structures that we have throughout the world. Absolutely. And again, it, it's like we touched on earlier. People really don't want to think for themselves because it's difficult. And a lot of people have been trained and raised to not trust themselves because they want to you know, appeal to authority and they want to be respectful. And so they're taught over and over again, don't trust your instincts, don't trust yourself. So if enough yeah. people are make, are making companies that are positive and are showing that this is just like any other currency, when they're told that enough, eventually <laughs> they will come around. Yeah. yeah, well, and I think, I mean, honestly, you know, the, the price fluctuations and having it be in the news and having more and more people start to meet local people in their community or listen to podcasts, things like that, I think all of that helps to kind of, you know, kill that falsehood, right? It helps to destroy that falsehood, which, um, and then people realize, well, wait a minute, if they're, if they're saying it's bad, <laughs> and yet all these other people are using it, maybe I should learn more about it. And, and I feel mm-hmm. like that's, that's an exciting um, change. I think that, you know, a lot of times, at least over the past few years, you know, when I first got into this, people were really kind of, um, kind of, I don't know, put, I don't want to say put off, but they weren't really interested. And now, you know, I think a lot of us have had the experience where you go to a family gathering or to uh, you know, something with friends and they're like, oh, so you're the resident Bitcoin expert, you know, and, and they, want to start, <laughs> they want to start talking with you about, you know, well, what is it? You know, I've heard this and I've heard that. And, you know, it's, it's, it's an opportunity for conversation and, and it, it's exciting. I mean, I think it's exciting. Yeah. And people are going to start coming out of the closet because I think a lot of people who who are into Bitcoin just, you know, for fun or to try it out, they don't even want to advertise it because they don't want to be marked as the person who's crazy out of their friend group oh, or yeah. something like that. Yeah. You know, there's a stigma that goes with it. Um, oh, for sure. So getting back to third key solutions, um, for someone coming to it, is it mostly organizations or do you have, you kind of said that you had individuals as well for estate planning. Um, how is it? How easy is it to get set up and going with Third Key Solutions? Well, um, we are we're we're a boutique firm. Um, all of the principals are working on lots of other projects, and so mm-hmm. we are very different, probably, than than many of the other companies in the industry. In that, um, we don't want to grow. We're not interested in growing. <laughs> what we're what we're interested in doing is solving real problems for real people in the most efficient way possible. So for example, um, you know, the, the book Crypto Asset Inheritance Planning, that book grew from the three years of, of talking with people and working with people to create real estate plans that are being used throughout the world. Um, and so that's kind of a problem solution, right? I identified the problem early on um, in that I was helping founders of companies, you know, do the multi-sig thing, right? And then inevitably I would ask them, okay, well, how much of your net worth is in Bitcoin? And they would look at me as if I was crazy and say, all of it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then, right? And then I'm like, okay, well, what happens if something happens to you? And then they would get this very uncomfortable look on their face or I would hear, you know, over, over the phone, like silence, right? This uncomfortable silence. And they would say, you know, I don't know. I have no idea. And then the question would come, you know, well, do you care? Do you want 
someone to be able to inherit it. Because if you don't, that's your right. That's your choice. Like, fine, you don't need to do, you know, you don't need to do inheritance planning. But if you do want someone to be able to inherit it, then you need to actually take action. And there's two sides of this, right? There's the tech side and there's the legal side. And I'm one of the few people that kind of bridge the gap between both. I understand the Mm -hmm. technology. I implement the technology. I use the technology. Um, but I also understand the legal side and you can't have one without the other. And so this is a challenge that I face often is from the technologist's viewpoint, they're like, we don't need you, (laughs) lawyer, (laughs) (laughs) smart contracts are going to replace you. Uh, you know, Ethereum is coming for you, all of these things. And I, and I always laugh, um, and, and I get it, right? Like I, I understand, um, the, the, the desire to not pay for a system that, you know, looks like it controls you. I I get Mm -hmm. the idea that, you know, what we're looking for is personal freedom and autonomy and these sorts of things. And for a lot of people, the law doesn't represent those sorts of things. I usually try to counter that with the idea that, A, um, right now we do live in a jurisdiction. And whether or not you want them to, you know, the authorities may or may not be able to to levy on you and or your, your assets. But here's the thing you can actually do really smart and interesting things with the law if you look at it and use it to your advantage, right? And that's what multinational companies do throughout the world. They hire tons of lawyers and they find ways to accomplish their goals within the quote-unquote letter of the law, right? Um, I'm a big fan of bringing that kind of mentality down to the individual level. Like if they can do it, why why can't we do it? Why can't we Mm -hmm. use the law to accomplish our own goals? So that's one side. Then the other side is I talk to lawyers and they're like, we don't care about the technology. We'll say what the law is, right? (laughs) And they'll abide by it. And then I'm like, no, 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 no. See, you can't do that because if you don't have the private key, you can write all the laws you want. You can attempt to enforce it in any way that you want. But without the private key, you actually have no power over the system. And it's a totally mm-hmm. different way, right, of attacking a problem. And so one of the challenges that I face is talking to lawyers and explaining to them that, you know, the law without the private key is impotent. And on the other side, <laughs> the technologist, you know, I have to explain, okay, well, yes, the law is impotent without your private key. However, they can, you know, your, your family members are usually within a jurisdiction, right? And so kind of mm-hmm. balancing those two things and figuring out a way that we can keep individual power and move it forward in the best way possible, right? We can keep our individual autonomy and sovereignty and work within the system to, to produce the least amount of friction. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. And it sounds like yeah. you're really, you know, you're you're right there with your clients. You're, you're holding their hand through this entire process oh, yeah. and really looking at their estate or their investment carefully. Yes. Well, and I'm, and I'm also looking at what is their family dynamic? What, Mm -hmm. what, you know, and everyone's family is unique. One of the things that lawyers, one of the challenges that lawyers face is when we have clients, um, many times our clients want us to think that their family is quote unquote normal. So they don't (laughs) tell us, (laughs) they don't tell us all of like the dirty things, right? They don't tell us that like, they have a cousin who's a drug addict, for example. They don't tell mm-hmm. us that they have, you know, a crazy aunt who is not speaking to the family for 10 years. 
And these things are important for people to tell. Like my, my best advice to the listeners is, you know, if you do decide to hire a lawyer, which I'm not saying you have to, but if you do decide to do that, um, you know, tell them. Tell them all of the dirt. They are not going to judge you. And believe me, they've heard worse. They don't care. We do not care. I am not. When my clients tell me about their family, I'm like, oh, yeah, they're, you know, I've heard way worse than this. Don't don't worry. The thing is, is without that information, we can't do our job well. We Mm -hmm. can't anticipate what might happen. And this is this is the real value that a lawyer provides. Right. It's not writing a document like a monkey can write a document. You don't we don't we don't need lawyers to do that. What you need a lawyer for is strategy. You need a lawyer to help you kind of navigate this system and say, hey, listen, these are the things that could come up. Are these, is this a big deal for you? Are you worried about this? If you're not, that's fine. If you are, these are the things that we can do to kind of mitigate that risk. Exactly. We're offering an outside perspective into a situation that people have an emotional connection to. You know, they have an emotional connection to whether or not they think, you know, their uncle is is a drug addict being good or bad or, you know, there's too much emotion. Too much emotionality. Absolutely. In it. Absolutely. Well, and and it's also, you know, the experience of working with tons and tons of people, right? You only have your mm-hmm. experience with your own family and maybe, you know, maybe your partners or, you know, maybe a, a handful of other families. But we have experience working with hundreds of families all around the world. And so we can begin to see and notice things that, you know, you might not notice otherwise. I think that's that's definitely part of the value that we bring as well. Oh, of course. Uh, well, absolutely. And that's, that's why you had to scale yourself by writing a book. <laughs> well, that's, that's exactly it. So, you know, we were getting so many requests from people. And honestly, we just couldn't keep up. I, I just, I couldn't mm-hmm. keep up with demand. And so rather than trying to quote unquote scale, you know, the business by hiring more people to do what I do, I thought, well, you know, my interest is in teaching. I, I love teaching. I love teaching people. Um, and I love teaching about, you know, subjects that I care about that I think actually matter. And so why not start teaching people about this so that we can grow this on an industry-wide level, right? So, you know, instead of taking however many clients every single year and, you know, us walking them through it, why not take the experience that we've gained in the last three years and kind of distill it down into a book? And then that will hopefully help about 80% of the people. Then for the other 20 who have really complex situations, okay, great. Maybe you need to hire someone to help you, right? But for the vast majority of people, you just need some experience. You need someone to help walk you through the process. And that's the goal of the book. Um, I also deliver legal workshops throughout the world with my company called Empowered Law. We teach lawyers and law students what they need to know about this technology. We do half-day workshops, and then we also do custom workshops for specific law firms on specific issues. And And how can people find those workshops? Um, Well, they're on my website at empoweredlaw.com, E-M-P-O-W-E-R-E-D.com. Empowered Law. Awesome. And the book, where can people check out the book? Uh, you can find the book on Amazon, actually. It's available in paperback and Kindle. If you like both, uh, then buy the paperback because you can get the Kindle for free if you buy the paperback. It's also hmm. available throughout the world. Uh, Amazon um, ha- it has extended distribution, so you can actually get it in the UK. You can get it in... All, all over the world, Mexico, everywhere. Wow. And, and to get connected onto Third Key Solutions, the website's probably the best, or do you, you go on Twitter? What's the best way to connect with Third Key? 
Uh, well, you can connect with Third Key at thirdkey.solutions. That's not .com. It's .solutions. Yeah. Or you can find me on Twitter. My Twitter is Pamela JD, P-A-M-E-L-A-W-J-D. Or for now, at least, if you Google Pamela and Bitcoin, I'm the only one who shows up. <laughs> Wonderful. You get the corner on the market on that one. I, I say for now because I anticipate that that will not be true for long, but, but we'll see. <laughs> well, Pamela, this has been so much fun ch chatting with you. And thank you so much for sharing your expertise in this really niche area that people should be paying more attention to. Totally. And, and I just want to, I just want to leave you with the, the idea that, you know, estate planning, when you first start looking at it kind of sucks, like you don't really want to think about your, mm -hmm. you know, your mortality, but I like to think of it like a game. I like to think of it like giving a gift, giving a gift of the amount of cryptocurrency I have right now to my family. Like I try to imagine what would it be like if I actually inherited the cryptocurrency that I have now be like, Oh, that's awesome right? And your family will mm -hmm. feel the same way. And doing estate planning doesn't mean that you're less secure. It doesn't mean that you're, you know, more likely to have asset seizure. It doesn't mean that you have to trust a third party. There are lots of misconceptions um, in this sort of inheritance and estate planning. So I would just encourage, you know, you and your listeners to kind of um, take a look at some of the articles that I've written. And you can even see uh, the table of contents and you can read like the beginning of the book for free on Amazon. So go and take a look and see if this is something that, you know, even marginally interests you. Um, I, I encourage you to, to take some steps and move forward. Absolutely. And I, I think people should. And, and you bring up a good point. No one wants to do it, but it's yeah. definitely going to happen. So why not make it a game? Exactly. Exactly. And if you can make it a game, it, it actually starts to become kind of a puzzle. For those of you who like yeah. puzzles, you can start like finding different pieces and, ooh, this matches this and we can do this and that. And it, and it can actually be um, a really empowering experience as well. Because when you do this, you will necessarily make yourself more secure. You'll know where your backups are you'll know how your family is going to restore because you're going to have to walk through that process. So it actually makes you more secure in the process of giving them a gift. And secures your legacy because you didn't leave a bunch of mess for them to find. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, Pamela, thank you again so much. This has, been, this has been such a fun time. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> that was Pamela Morgan. She is the founder and CEO at Third Key Solutions. Check out her book, her workshop. She's on YouTube. She's on Twitter. She's everywhere. Check her out. This has been Juliet Lamar with Future Tech Podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. 
If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.